Alex is on vacation, and so I'm excited to get to share with you the last installment of our series, Back to the Blueprint, where we are looking at the description of the early church from Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47, in order to take a fresh look at what God has in mind for us as a church in terms of what we are to give ourselves to. So let's look at the text and then I'll review a little where we've been and then I'll launch into today's message. Acts 2, starting with verse 42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So, We see the blueprint of the church, the functions of the church in this passage of Scripture. In the first week, Pastor Alex talked about discipleship, that they were committed, devoted to growing in their relationship with Jesus. And then on Mother's Day, Alex talked about fellowship. We see that they had this deep, close relationship. They did life together. And then the next week he talked about evangelism, that the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. And then last week, Pentecost Sunday, the focus was on worship. I was not here. I was on vacation in Naples, Florida last week, uh, but I did see the service streaming. Wow, what an awesome experience of worship we had last week as we focused our attention on the God who deserves our worship. And so that brings us to today, and I'm going to talk to us about service. Talk to us about serving. The verse in this passage that jumps out to me as it relates to serving is verse 45. So let's look at that again. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Let me just ask you, what's the first thing that comes to your mind when you read that verse. Just tell the person next to you, what's the first thing that comes to your mind when you see that they sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need? Just talk amongst each other there for a second. Any thoughts? You know, the first thing that I think about is just the stark contrast between that description and our culture today. Our culture is a culture of self-absorption, of materialism. We are a consumer-driven culture. Advertisers spend billions of dollars to try to convince us that we need what they're trying to sell, right? They tap into this desire we have you know, to have a newer car and to live in a nicer neighborhood or have the latest, greatest phone. And all of it, 
the message behind all of it is it's all about you, right? It's all about you. You need this. Well, in a culture where we hear this message screamed at us all the time, it's all about you, Scripture says, no, in fact, it's not all about you. (laughs) The Bible teaches clearly that we are not called to live selfish lives, but we are called to give of ourselves to God and to others in service. So we're going to look at three passages of scriptures today to just try to make that point. And the first one is just one part of one verse. Acts 20, 35. Look at what Jesus said. It is more blessed to give than to receive. Do you believe that? Really? Do you believe that? Well, let me point out that Jesus did not say that it's bad to receive, okay? I like receiving. Receiving is a good thing. We all have needs, and God wants us to receive what we need. But what Jesus did say is that it is better to give than to receive, There's something that happens in us when we get outside of ourselves and when we give to others, when we serve others, for it's in truly giving of ourselves that we find life. That's the paradox that Jesus would talk about all the time. Jesus would say, if you want to live, then die. If you want to find your life, then lose it in me. I, I know, I get it. It's counterintuitive. But it's true. There is joy that comes when we give. It is better to give and to receive. Now I know it's family Sunday today, and so or we have our kids with us, and Emily has a little prop for me. Thank you, Emily. You have a gift for me. Thank you very much. So I know it's almost summer, but let's talk about Christmas, kids. Let me ask you a question. How many of you like to receive Christmas presents Let me see your hands. Raise your, how many of you say, I like to, yeah, there's some big kids here too. My hand is up. I like to receive gifts. So kids, Jesus said it is better to give than to receive. That's kind of strange, isn't it? Why do you think Jesus would say it is better to give than to receive. What we're going to do is I want you to raise your hand if you think you have a good answer to that question. And Pastor Emily is going to find you and let you share that with everybody. Any kids, why do you think Jesus would say it's better to give than to receive? Anybody have an idea? Anybody? It's kind of a hard question. 
that Connor? All right, Connor, why do you think Jesus said it's better to give than to receive? It's always really exciting to give somebody something. Ooh. Wow. It's always really exciting to give. Yes. Hey, you know what, Pastor Dale? Uh, I, I think it would be really exciting if we gave Connor something today. Oh, there you go. Uh, do you like the cone? There's a gift card to the cone. Thank you for answering. Why is it Good better job, to give Good job, Connor. And thank you, Pastor Emily. Yes. It's, something happens in us makes us feel good to be able to give. All right, the second passage of Scripture is an interesting conversation that happens between James and John and Jesus. It's found in Mark chapter 10. They try to bait Jesus by saying, Jesus, we want you to say yes, whatever it is we ask. Have you ever had your kids do that to you? Dad, I really want you to say yes to this. Please, please say yes before they ever even ask you what it is that they want. And Jesus says, okay, what do you want? And James and John said, we want the top two spots in your coming kingdom. Well, the other 10 heard this and the text says they were indignant with James and John. So they were like, what? What are you doing trying to manipulate Jesus just to get what you want? You're trying to drag Jesus into your power games so that you can have the top two spots. What are you doing? And the reason they were so mad about that is because they wanted the top two spots as well, right? So Jesus hears all this bickering and he says, okay, okay, guys, whoa, whoa, whoa. Let's, let's talk about this. So let's look at what Jesus said to them in response to their fighting. Jesus called them together and said, you know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to be great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So Jesus says, you know how it works in the kingdom of this world? It's all about power and control, right? Everybody wants to seize power and control to use it for their benefit. They want to get what they want. Jesus says, that's not how it works in my kingdom. It's the opposite. If you're going to be great in my kingdom, you are going to serve. So just take what you know about the kingdoms of this world and flip it upside down. That's how it is in my kingdom. And he said, look at me. I'm the Messiah, the Master, the Lord, but I did not come to be served. I came to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many. And we see that throughout the Gospels, how Jesus served others, how he listened, how he had compassion, how he met needs, how he cared for them. And then he paid the ultimate 
sacrifice and shed his blood so that we can be forgiven and reconciled to God as we celebrated earlier in communion. How many of you have heard of the name Stephen Manley? Some of you? Yeah, some of you. Stephen Manley is an evangelist in the Church of the Nazarene. He calls this the cross style. He says we should live in the cross style. We should follow Jesus. We should deny ourselves, take up our crosses, like Scripture says, and follow him each day. And it doesn't have to be a big thing. In another place, Jesus says, just give a cup of cold water in my name and you will be rewarded in my kingdom. The third passage of scripture is a powerful one. It's one of the last parables that Jesus gave just a couple of days before he was crucified. It's a parable of the coming judgment and it's found in Matthew 25. And let's look at that together. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, come, you who are blessed by my Father. Take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry. You gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick. You looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? The king will reply, truly, I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Then he will say to those on his left, depart from me, you who are cursed into eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison and you did not look after me. They also will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or needing clothes or sick or in prison and did not help you? He will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. Then they will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. <sighs> Jesus left no doubt 
as to how he wants us to live as his followers. And to think that in some mystical way, when we minister to the poor, the lonely, the marginalized, the hurting, we are ministering to Jesus himself. Don't ever forget that, friends. When you look into the eyes of somebody hurting, in a mystical way, you are looking into the eyes of Jesus. So we can see from these three passages that one of the primary functions of the church is to be a place where we serve in Jesus' name, where we are responsive to the needs of people. This is Memorial Day weekend. Earlier we honored those who have passed away this year and what a great legacy of service they left. I could talk about almost all of them not all of them I know really, really well, but I could talk about so many. But I want to just talk about one person today that we honored, and that's Eunice Quartz. How many of you knew Eunice? Can I see your hands? Okay, lots of you. Eunice was never married, never had kids. She was a kindergarten teacher in the Reading school system for 30 years. Eunice was a charter member here at our church. She was involved in lots of ministries, but the thing that blew me away, if I, I think I have the math correct here, Eunice taught our one-year-old class, okay, our youngest kids for 50 years. 50 years. If you knew Eunice, she was so unassuming, so humble, so gentle, so loving. And those kids, week after week after week, would come in, she would love on them, hug them, tell them about Jesus. And she would have this kid that would grow up to have their own kid and she would have the next generation of kids. When Eunice got to the point where she couldn't get out anymore, I would go and visit her. As you might imagine, she didn't really want to talk too much about her. She would share with me how she was doing, but then quickly she would ask me questions about people I was ministering to. She would want to hear what was happening in the church, and want to celebrate what God was doing here. One time I brought up this whole issue of her longevity, and I said, Eunice, how did you do that for 50 years, week after week after week? And she shot me a puzzled look, which I didn't really think about until later, but I really think what that look meant is, that's a dumb question. Because she looked at me and she said, I loved doing that. It was, 
It was my joy. It was my pleasure. I only regret that I had to give it up because of my health issues. And I'm confident today that if Eunice Quartz were to stand here and talk to you, and by the way, she would never do that. She would never stand on the platform and talk. She would say, you will never regret the time that you serve. In Jesus' name, it's true. It is better to give than to receive. So today, I, I just want to challenge you to make a decision to serve. And I think it's appropriate for us to talk about who we should serve, to talk about the priorities that Jesus would have for us in serving. You might be surprised that I think Jesus would start by saying we should serve ourselves. Because I think Jesus knows that we need to be healthy in order to have something to give. To be the kind of example that someone would want to follow. I'm sure many of you have flown and have heard the compulsory speech that the stewardess gives before takeoff to which no one listens. You know that speech. Well, there's one part of that speech that I want to talk about because I think it perfectly illustrates what I'm trying to say. The speech says, in the sudden event of cabin pressure loss, an oxygen mask will fall down from above you. Please put this mask over your nose and mouth. And if you're traveling with children, please put the mask on your nose and mouth first so that you can then help your children. You see, the airlines know that the adults need to be healthy and have that oxygen flow so that they, they can help the little ones that need the help. Well, that's the point I'm trying to make. Jesus wants us to be healthy. And so we need to do the things that help us to stay healthy. We need to spend time with Jesus. We need to have healthy habits, diet, exercise, sleep, emotional health, all those good things. Next, I think Jesus would say, you need to serve your family. You know, I'm so grateful for the parents that me and my three brothers had. They were amazing. They, they taught us about Jesus, but probably more importantly, they showed us what a life looks like that's centered in Jesus. And I cannot begin to fathom the impact that their life and example had on all four of us. Parents, you have an awesome responsibility. You are the primary shaper and molder of your kids. 
And the question is not, are you discipling your kids? You are discipling your kids. The question is, are you helping your kids be discipled by Jesus or by some other influence? That's the question. I would challenge you to help them be discipled by Jesus. So we are to serve ourselves, we are to serve our family, we are to serve those in the body of Christ. Alex talked about this in, on Mother's Day. Fellowship, the community that God wants us to experience together as we love each other and help each other and carry each other's burdens and encourage each other. God wants those of us who are a little farther down the road to be able to disciple those who are newer to the faith so that we can all grow up to become what he wants us to be. Ourselves, our families, those in the body of Christ. And finally, we should serve those who don't know Jesus. Jesus' desire is that no one should perish, but that everyone should come to repentance. Friends, we exist for our non-members, right? That's why we're here, to be salt and light in our community and around the world, to build bridges of friendship with those who don't know him. Alex preached about this, and he uh, talked about this bless acrostic, those of you that were here a couple weeks ago. Very practical way that we can build bridges of friendship with people. So if you weren't here a couple weeks ago and, or somehow didn't get this, I would encourage you to get one of these little magnets that's in either of the foyers. And the idea is to put somebody's name in that space so that you are intentionally committed to serving those who don't know Jesus. One of the challenges with that is that there's often a big gap between us and those we're called to reach. And one of the ways that we can bridge that gap is to learn about the needs of those people who don't know Jesus and try to meet them Jesus did this all the time. He would have an encounter with someone and he would basically say, how can I help you? How can I serve you? And they would talk about their need and Jesus would respond with compassion and meet that need. One of the things that I'm most proud of about our church is we have a lot of need meeting ministries here. And I think that's one of the reasons that we are as successful as we are at helping people come to know Jesus. Pastor Teresa is our young adult and outreach pastor. And in just a minute, she's gonna come and she's gonna share about some great opportunities we have this summer to serve. But let me pray before that. Jesus, we thank you so much for this time, for your love, for your word. Thank you, Jesus, that you trust us enough to partner with us to build your kingdom. Thank you for your church, 
Thank you for what we're to be and do. What a privilege we have to be a part of the institution that is the hope of the world. Because we are the ones that get to present you to the world and to our neighbors. I pray that you would help us, each one, to be healthy ourselves so that we are in a position to give. I pray that you would help our families. I pray that you would help our parents to intentionally point their kids to you so that our kids can have that firm, strong foundation of your love. I pray that you would help us, Jesus, as a church to love each other deeply, to encourage each other, to hold each other accountable, to disciple each other. And Jesus, I pray that you would help us to bridge that gap to make a difference for those who don't know you, who will be lost unless we reach out to them with your love. I trust you to help us. I know you care more about these things than even we do. So we put our faith in you, Jesus, to work. Thank you. We pray in your name. Amen.